0: Have we had a good time at retreat so far? Good. Now, I couldn't be in on uh, seeing any of the games this afternoon. Uh, Which team is winning? So, which team is winning? Okay. I'm not hearing much from the uh, red team. Red team, oh, the red team's not winning. Okay, because they seem to be the loudest. But maybe that's just because of the people they have on their team. I don't know. But it has been—it's been a good couple of days, and I have just let me tell you, I've appreciated your attentiveness so much when it comes to to the times in God's Word, and uh, it has been—it's been a joy to speak with you, and to to present God's Word to you. And uh, we're going to do that again tonight, once again looking at a story of someone who encountered God. But Before we do any of that, let's pray, and we'll begin. Father, you alone are worthy of the praises that we just lifted up to you. Father, for those who do not yet know you, Those were just beautiful songs. Father, it could be that for those who are saved but are not walking with you, even the words of the songs were were difficult to say truthfully. But Father, I trust that by the end of this weekend that each and every one of these teenagers, each and every one of these leaders could lift up praises to your name honestly truly and holy, because of having a right relationship with you and having nothing hindering that. Father, we love you for the God that you are and for the Son that you sent. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I was three years old. I was three years old, standing right next to the road, holding my mother's hand. How many of you like to wear seatbelts? You just love to wear seatbelts. Excellent, Dave. Good. I'm glad I'm you do. I, I hate wearing seatbelts. But when I was a kid, you didn't have to wear your seatbelt. We could stand behind Dad, look over his shoulder at the speedometer and at the speed limit sign and make sure that they matched. My older brother always thought of it first, so we'd get there first. And I remember after a uh, Christian concert, actually, I was holding on to my mother's hand. I saw our car and I thought, you know what? I can get across that road. I can get across that road before my brother even thinks about standing behind my parents. I let go of my mom's hand and I run out into the road. That's the last thing I remember until I woke up in the back seat of the car heading for a hospital. Car came along and hit me. Well, actually it was coming along already. It didn't come along. It was coming along. I ran out in front of it. Got knocked into the air, rolled down the road, And off into the ditch, my dad picked me up, and I was stiff, blue, and not breathing. A couple hundred people probably there, and my dad began to yell for help. Nobody was coming. It was on a country road 50 miles from St. John, from the nearest hospital. And a car came the other way, old country road over in Browns Flats, close to Evandale. Car came along the other direction. Lady jumps out. She says, I'm a doctor. Let me see if I can help. The man who was with her did uh, chest compressions. She gave me CPR and I began to cry, which is obviously good because you need oxygen to accomplish that task. She said, Get him to the nearest hospital and don't let him go to sleep. My parents took me to the hospital. The next memory I have is lying in the back of the car. I don't know if you, anyone here know Barton, Pat McCumber? I I knew some of you would. Well, Pat McCumber was in the back seat with my mom because they were good friends, and I sang Jesus Loves Me, I think, like a 1,002 times because they were trying to keep me awake. Got to the hospital, had a fractured skull, broken collarbone. Doctor said I was going to be fine. We never have found out who the lady was. Our family doctor said there's not a lady doctor in the province of New Brunswick that would match the description that my dad gave to him. Now, I say that to preface the message tonight only because that was, in my life, that was a pivotal moment because I've always thought about the fact that I could have died just as easily as not when I was three years old. And I understood that God had a plan for my life. Now, you don't have to have that much steel hurtling towards you and hit you in order to know that. Please understand, you can know God's plan without that happening, but for me, that's what, that's what I always have gone back to, because what God did was improbable. Old Country Road, a doctor just happened to come in the other direction when I was stiff, blue, and not breathing. God often does things that are improbable and impossible. Matter of fact, he delights to do things that are impossible and improbable. The fact that I have the opportunity to speak to you at a teen retreat 20 years ago or more, people might have thought that would be improbable, if not impossible. I had a severe stuttering problem for a number of years. When I was a student here at school, I had a severe stuttering problem. God delights to do the impossible and the improbable. If you've got your Bibles, open them to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, we find Jesus. And these are the last days of Jesus' walk here on earth. It's not too much longer before he goes to Jerusalem to go to the cross. It's not going to be too many days until those who follow him are all going to go away at least temporarily, they're going to run away in fear for their lives. He's traveling down through the Jordan River Valley. Jordan River Valley is a fertile, tropical-type climate that, that had, had an abundance of fruit, had an abundance of vegetation, and he's, he's coming down that way to avoid traveling the main route down to Jerusalem. It comes down through Jericho, and it tells us there in verse verse 35, and it came to pass that as he came nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. A certain blind man sat by the wayside, begging. Now, here's what you need to understand. Jesus is on his way through Jericho for the last time. He's not coming back to Jericho again. This is his last time through. He leaves Jericho, goes from 500 feet below sea level to 3,500 feet above sea level, which is where Jerusalem sits, 18 miles, rocky, craggy climb, and he's going to Jerusalem for a reason. This blind man sits by the wayside in Jericho. He's begging. If you come to the book of Mark, come to the book of Mark, chapter 10. And I want you to mark chapter 10, I think. See? Yeah, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, tells us the blind man's name. Mark ten forty-six. it says, uh, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples... And a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So I want you to see this blind man in rags. There's nothing appealing about this man. He's blind, been blind since birth. His name is Bartimaeus. And then it tells us he's the son of Timaeus. Well, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Bar means son, Timaeus means Timaeus. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the wayside begging. Timaeus actually means unclean. Bar of unclean, the son of unclean. The son of unclean, the son of unclean, sat by the highwayside begging. Look at him. He's filthy. He's dirty. He only survives on what people who pass by feel sorry enough to give him. He's unclean. The son of unclean. Now he's a real guy. Real guy in a real place. Jericho at a real time. Probably around 30 A.D. Just before Jesus goes to be crucified. He's a real person. But he reminds me of me. And he reminds me of you. We are born lost in our sins. We're unclean. The son of unclean. We're unclean born to sinners who are unclean. Unclean and lost and in spiritual darkness if you haven't been understanding the messages maybe from the bible classes this morning or from the rallies the chances are it's because your spiritual eyes are blinded by the god of this world all of us are born that way we're all born in blindness and unclean because of our sin. Jericho is an interesting place. In the Old Testament, Jericho was the place where God gave a battle plan to the children of Israel. Walk around once a day for six days, then walk around seven times on the seventh day, and blow the trumpets and yell, and the walls will all come tumbling down, and you'll go in. And Jericho is already a place, historically, that God delighted to do the impossible. God took ancient Jericho, gave it to his people in an impossible way. And now here is the new Jericho built about two miles south of the ruins of the old Jericho, which is why he left Jericho and then came to Jericho in this passage. And look at what it says. When Bartimaeus, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, that the multitude was following, he began to cry out. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Here's what you need to know. The city of Jericho, I always do maps wrong from this direction. Let me turn around. city of Jericho is here on your maps, okay? Here's Jericho. Jerusalem is here. Jericho, all of the It was a trade route. All of the goods from the east came west to the Mediterranean through Jericho. Jericho was full of tax collectors. We find that out in Luke 19, which is why I went to Luke 18 by mistake first, because Luke 19 is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector of Jericho. There were a lot of them, because all the goods coming, the Romans wanted them taxed. Tax collectors were there, but it was also a place where there were a great number of priests. I don't know if the climate attracted them or what it was, but there was a collection of priests, groups of priests that would stay right in Jericho. And you've got to know that the name Jesus of Nazareth meant something to those people. It's been three years that Jesus has been healing the lame, raising the dead, healing the blind. It's been three years, and his fame spread throughout that whole region. You've got to know that Bartimaeus heard some conversations. Jesus of Nazareth, what do you think of him? Ah, he's a fraud. Fraud, yeah, I don't know what, how he's doing it, but he's a fraud. What do you think of Jesus of Nazareth? I think he's from Satan. That was an opinion among some of the priests. Maybe some quietly said, well, I don't know. It says that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to heal the blind and heal the lame. And it seems like Jesus is doing that. And, uh, Bartimaeus probably heard those discussions. And now here he is, blind Bartimaeus, the son of unclean, sitting by the highway side with absolutely nothing to offer this Jesus of Nazareth. Nothing to offer anybody. calls to somebody. Hey. What What's that crowd all about? What's going on with that crowd? I can feel the dust in my face. I can I can hear I can hear them coming. What's the big deal? Why this huge group of people? That Jesus of Nazareth guy, he's coming through. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus, of Nazareth. He began to cry out saying, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me." Bartimaeus was blind, but he wasn't dumb. He'd heard the conversations. He'd heard the the healings. He'd heard that he taught strange things. He heard that he confronted some of these priests, put them in their place. He heard the ones, maybe even quietly, talking about, I think this really might be the one who was promised by God. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, and verse 15. God promises Satan... After Adam and Eve in the garden fell, and it's the reason why we're all born unclean. God's first two created people, Adam in particular, chose to sin. And that sin came on all of us. Because we're all sons and daughters of Adam. We're born with sin in our hearts. No one's got to convince you of that. I don't got to convince you that you're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. You know know you're a sinner just by the stuff that you do. You prove it by the stuff that you do. By the selfishness that's in your heart. By the hatred that comes into your heart. By the lust that comes into your heart. By the greed that comes into your heart. You know you're a sinner. Bartimaeus says, son of David. he might as well have said, savior of the world, Messiah, have mercy on. Have mercy on me. Mercy is when you know you deserve something and you don't get it. You know you deserve punishment and you don't get it. Can't tell you, back again to the jail, can't tell you how many guys I've seen walk out of jail going, get out of it this time, see you chap. They always come back. Those guys always come back. They don't use the mercy the way that they should, the mercy of the court. We are unclean sinners before a holy God because we are children of Adam. And we desperately need the mercy of God. We need for God to say, You deserve the punishment for your sin. Romans tells us the payment for sin is what? Payment for sin is what? Death. Payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? What's the payment for sin? Death. And what did Jesus do on the cross? Death. To make payment for your sin and for my sin. Now, he hadn't done that yet when Bartimaeus is calling out to him, Bartimaeus is a Jewish man acknowledging that Jesus is the one that God promised in Genesis 3.15 who would come to give victory. Satan would bruise his heel, but the seed of the woman would crush his head. The serpent's head. Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David... Have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Shut up. He's too busy to deal with you, Bartimaeus. Come on, just just be quiet. Man, Jesus is busy. He's got a crowd of people here. He doesn't need you yelling at him. Just, just be quiet. This is the crowd that followed Jesus. This is the crowd that followed Jesus. The blind man is yelling for Jesus to have mercy on him. And the crowd that followed Jesus said, shut your mouth. Just quiet down. It's too busy for you. But Bartimaeus cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! Blind Bartimaeus doesn't know that this is Jesus' last time through Jericho. He doesn't know it. He doesn't know that if he doesn't get his attention today, he's not going to get his attention. He doesn't know it's his last chance. He doesn't know it. All he knows, that Jesus guy. That Jesus guy who makes blind people see he's here. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody tells me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. I need you. I need you. I'm blind and I'm a beggar and I need you. Quiet, Bartimaeus. I think some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture are found in verse forty nine. And Jesus stood still. (laughs) Jesus on his way into Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem, crowd of people, got to be making a lot of noise. Son of David, have mercy on me. The God of the universe in human flesh hears that blind man's cry. And he stood still. Young people, please understand me. Jesus is standing still for you tonight. He hears the cry of your heart. You may not even know that it's Jesus that you need. You might be trying to fill that cry of your heart with a whole lot of sin. A whole lot of stuff that's just going to harm you. And your heart's crying out for something and you don't know what it is. Let me tell you tonight, according to God's word, you're crying out For the God who made you and has sent his son to pay the price for your sin that you might be reconciled to him, that you might be brought into relationship with him, he stands still for you tonight. Son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. (laughs) Psalm 139 says, How precious are your thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I were to count them, they would be greater than the sands of the sea. Jesus is thinking about your need right now. The need of your heart in a way that only he can. He commands Bartimaeus to be brought to him. Look at how the crowd turns. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, be of good cheer, rise, he calleth (laughs) thee. Shut up! Be quiet! Jesus is too busy! Hey, tell him to come over here. Oh, hey, be of good cheer! Jesus wants to see you, come here, come here, Jesus wants to see you crowd that follows Jesus can be pretty fickle sometimes. Bartimaeus. Look at what it says. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Why in the world does it say that he cast away his garment? You know what his garment was? His garment was this outer cloak that... that Folks in the Middle East would put on. They could use it for a sleeping bag. If someone forgot to come and get Bartimaeus to take him back in inside the city from outside of the gates, he could curl up in that thing and was like a, well, it wasn't quite a hoodie footy, but it, 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 it was comfortable. You put the hood up and you could snuggle in and you could, you could use it for like a sleeping bag. Bartimaeus throws his away in the midst of a crowd. Remember, we talked about those who let go need to let go to come to Jesus. Bartimaeus has no guarantee he's coming back to that spot. Has no guarantee that garment will still be there. He's a poor, blind beggar. He can't afford to have someone stealing his stuff. Maybe it smelled bad enough he didn't have to worry about that. But the Bible tells us he threw it away to come to Jesus might have been the one secure thing he owned. He throws it away. And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Hmm. If you're Jesus, do you need to ask that question? If you're Jesus, do you need to ask him that question? (laughs) I'm not nearly as smart as Jesus. But I would have known what Bartimaeus wanted. The crowd must have known what Bartimaeus wanted from this healer of Nazareth. They must have known what he wanted. Why did Jesus ask him? Some of you don't know that you have a need for Jesus tonight. Jesus knows you have that need. Jesus knows how desperately you need him. It's the reason that he went to the cross. You need to know your need for Jesus. God delights to do the impossible and the improbable, but he will never do it against your will. He will never do it without you understanding what your need is. What do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. That I might see like these other people. That I might be able to look and to see the people I know and the people I love, that that my eyes might be finally opened. We're born in blindness. We're born in darkness. We are born unclean. When our eyes are opened, life looks different. Go your way, Jesus says. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately... He received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. That I might receive my sight, Lord. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Bartimaeus received his sight. Cleaned his clothes up. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I don't know what kind of personality Bartimaeus had. (laughs) What? I can see i can I can see you and I can see you and yeah. well that's not a great thing but I can see I, I can see oh oh thank you thank you Jesus thank you that I can see my eyes are opened I can see yeah Hey, let me tell you this. That blind man's life was never the same. It was never the same ever again. Bartimaeus didn't wake up the next morning and go, oh man, i got to look for work. No. He woke up and said, praise God, I can see see. I was a blind, dirty beggar. Jesus, now I can see. I can see. I can see. There are some of you here tonight who are believers who you don't even come close to appreciating what Jesus did for you. You can see. You look at the sinners in your life and you go, man, they're having so much more fun than me. They don't know Jesus. And they are not able to see like you can see. And you sometimes think, man, I wish I wasn't saved so I could go do that stuff. Imagine Bartimaeus the next day going out and sitting by that wayside begging, acting like he was blind. Believing young people, you need to see clearly, that God has purchased your salvation with the blood of Jesus Christ, loved you so much, gave you that gift. (sighs) And everything is different because you can see. And some of you are so used to the light that you've gotten callous to it. You don't appreciate it. But you need to fall in love with the Jesus who made you whole who washed you, made you clean, said, your sin I will remember no more. And you can see. Some of you are like blind Bartimaeus still tonight. Jesus wants to make you clean. He wants to wash your sins away. He wants to let you see. (laughs) I can see. I love the fact that I can see. Sometimes we take our sight and we just use it to criticize people in darkness rather than love them to Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Afterwards, when he received his sight, the Bible says he followed Jesus in the way. I think he went all the way to Jerusalem with them. There was two blind men in Luke that were talked about. Bartimaeus is singled out in Mark because I think he was known in the church. I think he followed Jesus in the way and stayed faithful so that that was his story because God delights to do the impossible and the improbable. Some of you are saying, if I become a Christian, people are going to really laugh at me. Because I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this. Satan always wants to define you by your sin. God doesn't. God wants to define you by what he did for you in Jesus Christ. He wants to bring you into his family and call you his child. Young people, blind Bartimaeus didn't know it was his last chance to get that gift from Jesus. He didn't know. All he knew was, I got to get my sight today because Jesus is going by. That's what he knew. Today is the day of salvation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask if Steve would come to lead us in a last song. But let me just challenge you. Let me speak to you directly. If you are not saved tonight, you don't, maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. But you, but you have a sense in your heart that you need to. You need to. You need to. I'm going to challenge you to come forward tonight and talk to one of the counselors. Or if you don't do that, you make sure you grab your youth leader or come talk to me or talk to one of the students afterwards. But I want you to know that God can give you what nobody else can. God can be for you what nobody else can. Save young people. You're chomping at the bit sometimes. You're pushing at the envelope. And and you sometimes want out of this Christian thing because you think it's too constrictive for you. You think it's holding you back from having the life that you want and the fun that you want. Believe me, God is keeping you from harm. And if you fell in love with Jesus, the one who gave you sight, everything would look different. For those of you who are saved, I would ask you just right now in your heart, just in a quiet way, in your heart, thank God that you were brought up in a Christian home. Thank God for the salvation that you received. For those of you who are not saved, once again, let me challenge you. Tonight would be a wonderful night to have your eyes open.